from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. So glad it's warming up. Feels so much better being outside more. Yeah, that's true. I was, very, I was rather jealous of you guys because I think there was a day this week that over the course of five hours it dumped something like six inches of snow on us. We went from beautiful to like a snow-covered city. No. And then back to no snow again, kind of within about 30 hours. Fuck, so. I have been expecting it. I feel like we are at full spring. Yeah. You know the seasons where you're like, this is it. And I'm always like, no, it's not, guys. No, it's not. I'm not putting my plants on the porch. Watch this. We're going to get snow. And it didn't happen. Yeah. So, and it's, there's been some hot days to the point where I was almost upset we didn't have a spring. I'm <laughs> like, oh, we go great to summer? That's okay, great. Uh, I don't have my summer body. I mean, I never have. But I'm a sweater, I'm a sweater body. I'm not a t-shirt body. Yeah, layers are our friends. Like this is like t-shirt is like second layer for me. It goes undershirt, t-shirt, yeah. and then what I'm gonna actually wear out. <laughs> the first, the Saturday when we walked, it was over 20 degrees or 25, and I was in a t-shirt. I was almost in tears. I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not. Too much is moving under this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel you. I have put so much weight on over COVID. It just makes me sad. Oh, I yeah, I've given up a little bit on my body. I have diligently walked every day like a crazy person and tried to do my little exercises and I yeah, definitely have gained weight. And it's like, when does my body I see all these people posting like, Oh, because of COVID I've walked so much and lost weight. I'm like, I walk a ton obsessively and gain weight. So I'm going to write a diet book for sure. <laughs> Watch as I walk 20,000 steps and put on weight. <laughs> walk your way to weight gain or some such thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Dr. Nick, you know, if the paper turns clear, it's your window to weight gain. <laughs> I used to I walk a I'm lot. just at that age and maybe I should be doing more, but like... I'm also at the age where if I try and do some crazy exercise, I hurt myself. I'm like, I'm lifting this weight. And my partner's like, I'm not sure if you have a good form. And then the next day, I can't move. And I'm like, you know what? Cut it, cut it out. Don't do it. Walk and bike. Just walk and bike. Walk and bike. And if any of the pools are open, you could swim. That would be good. But mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're a swimmer. I know your parents have one of those fun for an hour above ground pools. Yeah. Yes, for sure. No, I should be swimming more, but I don't I don't like uh, natural bodies of water. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. I grew up swimming in lakes in Ontario, and although I do miss it now and then, it's not my favorite. I don't know. I really love swimming. I'm a water baby, but it's like sitting neck on a beach is like where I'm a hero. Sure. I don't like fish. I don't like anything that lives in the water. If seaweed <laughs> touches me, I'll cry. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I feel like I'm a bit of, I don't know. It's fine. This this isn't a judgmental place unless your name's Ariana Grande, so it's safe for you. <laughs> I'm judging myself. <laughs> well, I guess we'll all just try and do better. You do look great, though. 
Oh, you can't see the you can't see the bottom half. Yeah, (laughs) I can see. (laughs) I look really good from my clavicle up, unless you catch me on a double chin. But it just goes to shit underneath, uh, below. Yeah. Even my team meetings, people are like, "You look great." I'm like, "You're not seeing this. (laughs) I will never let you see this in my Zoom call." Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when, when the boss starts threatening, it's like, oh, we're going to start having to go back to split shifts so you guys can get back into the office. Maybe we can get some time to work at home or something like that. And I'm just like, but no one has seen how much weight I've put on since the last time I was in the office. <laughs> at least you hope kind of everyone else has. I suspect they probably haven't. Oh, the I feel like... Is, is that I've been such a yo-yo dieter my for like the last 15 years is like, I definitely have work clothes that'll fit me at this weight. Oh, I just, don't. They just have to be dragged out of, you know, where they've been for the last while. Yeah, I surpassed that a while ago. Oh, well. <laughs> Anyways. Well, welcome to Live to Labyrinth podcast. My name is Bryn. I'm Angie. Hi. Hey. I'm glad to bring it back to what we're here to talk about, that the 80s has come into my life again, and we have enjoyed so much of it. The 80s when life was fun and we were little. Yeah. I mean, I actually probably think, no, no, I was too young. I was like, I worried about my weight a lot as a kid too, but not, not in the 80s. No, I didn't, you don't really start getting, I mean, the, my experience was people didn't start belittling or I wasn't really aware of my body until I went to school. Yeah. I think sort of like grade, grade three, grade four, grade five. Kind of like when puberty started setting in and, you know, you get kind of like podgy but because you're going to gross growth spurt, but it hasn't happened yet. And then, be like, the shit. And then people start making fun of you. Because I wasn't a particularly fat child. No. I just come from a long line of fat adults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, in my genes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the genes that we haven't put on in a fucking year. Yeah. I've All right. But yes. Genes. The 80s. Yeah, interesting choice for you. Sorry, I'll let you introduce it. Oh, well, it's by now we've been listening to the 80s for three weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I don't know. This week we listened to, if you stayed to the end of our previous episode, uh, we listened to Cindy Lauper and her f- debut album from 1983, She's So Unusual, which she is in a really fun way. <laughs> so why did you choose this album? Well, I've never heard it all the way through. Like I said at the end of the last episode, we've done two weeks of 80s and they've both been men. I wanted to, so I wanted to do a woman. I definitely didn't want to leave the 80s having only done men because I think there were so many really, really important women artists of the 80s. I called Sandy Lauper the queen of the 80s which you took exception to. (laughs) I No, I just, it didn't show up on my radar, which we will get into. She's never been on my radar. Yeah. So I, when I thought Queen of the 80s, I just, like a ticker tape of people went through my head and I, I was sure it was Whitney, but anyways, but anyways, all good. Yes, and uh, not a, again, not to completely rehash the end of our last episode, but I think the reason I went with her is because Whitney and Madonna seem like really natural choices, mm-hmm. but their careers, their, su- their success from the 80s carried them through the 90s and into the aughts and beyond. Cyndi Lauper, although she's still very much an active artist and definitely deserves to be respected for the albums that she's put out subsequent to the 80s, she really is 
someone whose fame and world domination and hits all live within the 80s. Yeah. And so that's sort of why I chose her. And, and I felt that she just listening to Cindy Lauper, looking at Cindy Lauper, like she looks and feels and sounds like like the 80s to me. Yeah. Like the crazy fashion, the, the big scrunchies, the loud hair, the way that the songs sound, the way she sings. I don't know. There's just it has that je ne sais quoi 80s-ness to it in the way that Four Non Blondes does for the 90s in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. She is super 80s and super represents the time with her style and everything. I've just never listened to Cindy Lauper. And I think like many other people, I've heard girls just want to have fun so many times that I don't ever need to hear it again. Yeah, and an I, anthem that's become a bit of a trope. Yeah, and I think that maybe stopped me from ever delving more into her music is that I'm just I'm just done with that song. I don't and I never really liked it. I don't think. I don't I can't think of a time where I was like, "Yes, this song." But yeah, I don't know. I guess she didn't show up on my radar. But of course, time after time, what a great song and only near and dear to my heart because of Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. (laughs) Kind of a stupid association, but I love that movie. I enjoyed that you were receptive to me sending you the clip of Parks and Recreation where they sing it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so sweet. It's such a good song. I mean, but I guess we'll just get into it. I'm not a crazy fan of her voice. I'm sorry I said it. Anyways, I'm a dick. Well, someone had to. I find I'm going to I'm just going to agree with you that after 38 minutes and 29 seconds of listening to this album all the way through, her voice it does get to be a bit much and sh- and it's like I don't know, sometimes it seems like she's not really in the same key as the song. Sometimes she seems really shouty. I, and I I think that's part of her magic. I don't know, I'll put it this way. I see why the songs on this album are ones I've heard a million times. Or the ones that I've heard, I've heard a million times, and the rest of them I haven't heard at all. Yeah. I also, when I'm really glad you sent the VH1 behind the music thing, because I wasn't super pumped about listening to this album, because I knew I, I uh, wasn't a super fan. But the clips at the beginning where they're, they show her singing in her first band, mm. there's a few spots where she's singing really well. Yeah. It sounds good. And I wonder, I'm enjoying it. So I kind of wonder where that switch came from taking away like the melody to kind of more like shouty, fun, like uh, almost karaoke kind of sound or even mm-hmm. making fun of herself. Like, isn't it funny when she goes to the low part where you would sing it if you're like kind of joking around, you know, mm-hmm. I've, anyways, but um, I will tell you, I was not as I said, pumped about listening to this. And I tried a couple times and I was like, man, this is such a a schlog. But man, after the VH1, I adore her. And I was like, you need to get your shit together and love Cyndi Lauper. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I think, you know, as we've talked about before, I find watching a music documentary, even if it's just a quick one, like that behind the music thing, which was probably, what was what, 40 minutes? Yeah. It's not a, not a big time commitment. It was probably an hour long show on VH, VH1. I didn't watch it at work, for sure not. Not on paid time. Certainly not. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but I find, yeah, I like the, I, that's why I love music documentaries. And that's why I love things like, I remember watching so much behind the music 
mm-hmm. back in the day. And I mean, that, that behind the music's from 2002, so... Yeah, I could tell it was old when they were like, oh, she's 48 and touring for Cher. I'm like, oh my god. Is she... Yeah. I think she's 80. No, I mean, she's not. <laughs> the thing that made me really glad is when they talked about her long-term relationship with that guy that was her manager. Mm-hmm. And they're like, in 1981, when he was 32, and I like was like, oh, Christ, how old was she? And she was 28, and I was like, thank fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I They very obviously said his age and not hers. And I went back and I was like, oh, was she 30? What? Yeah, yeah I was like, funny. oh god, because that <laughs> that's the world we live in now. Yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> let's figure that out. I had never heard her speak. Her accent. God bless. If I could talk like that all day long, I would do it. It, I, it was <laughs> so adorable. She's so, I don't want to minimize her by being like, well, she was adorable and sweet because she's obviously a powerhouse. She's a songwriter, which is really special. She's very creative, but she's so fucking adorable. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God. I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to love her. I have a special place in my heart for, yeah, that sort of Brooklyn accent. She sounds like Lorna Morello from Orange is the New Black. Or I suppose Morello sounds like her. (laughs) I adore that accent. She's so cute. And um, there were a couple songs where she sounded exactly like Betty Boop. (laughs) I'm like, is this, what's happened here? But she's, yeah, very sweet. I'm really glad we watched that. It had me like, I had to turn, I had to turn this bus around. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. It was, it was definitely worth watching. It was not a great quality of video, but it definitely passed the message on. I don't know. There's something special I find about watching low quality videos like that on because it just kind of makes reminds me of like shit that you taped off the television on vhs back in the day <laughs> totally i was very surprised and a little bummed to read that she didn't write girls just want to have fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> or true colors from the album that came after this one that she's also really well known for yeah and it's funny that i guess the interesting part of about the doc was how much she wanted to express her own creativity and how much she kept being kind of shoved into this pop money making whatever so it made me a little uh sad that the songs that she's most well known for is where she didn't really get to express her creativity and write which she so wholeheartedly wanted to do to the point of almost walking away from her career exactly yeah Yeah, that's why her career you know sort of quote unquote stopped at the end in the 80s is because yeah she stopped allowing her image to be sold for the sake of a career longevity yeah she wanted to be a real artist also the the wrestling thing that was not something i was aware of what a terrible left turn for her manager that she was boning that's that's (laughs) you want to be taken seriously as an artist and then i don't know maybe maybe it was crazy popular in the 80s and it was all about exposure but just such a bad move seems so weird and it was funny listening to him talk about it because he was like yeah well it seemed like a good idea at the time (laughs) in hindsight (laughs) no you were high and made a bad judgment call yeah it was the 80s there was too much cocaine yeah really you know to be wicked wrestling (laughs) <laughs> you look, they dress like you. They're just dudes, and you could you could keep up with them. Yeah. Oh boy. You really think so? Yeah. So sweet. She seems like such a young soul as well. 
you know, just like she still openly shows that naivete and vulnerability and, and she's kind of, you know, owns that she's always learning and she's different and super adorable. I love how they described her fierce individuality. <laughs> I really appreciated that. And it made me look at myself as my almost middle-aged human being like, what happened to you? Like, look at this lady living her true life. And I used to be into crazy fashion and do crazy things with my hair. And I was like, God bless you, Cindy Lauper. I, we all need a little bit more fierce individuality in our lives. It's true. I think you, uh, you probably still embody that a little bit. Not like in her cool-ass fashion. I'm like, oh, Reitman's is having a sale. Purchase everything in black and extra large. You know what I mean? Like, give me a break. <laughs> Stretch jeans, you say? Yeah. <laughs> is it elasticated? I'm interested. And how reinforced are the inner thighs on these pants? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should say that. I threw two pairs of pants out <laughs> yesterday because of my chafing and my walking. Because of my walking. And I got two new pairs. Because, uh, yeah, those thighs, they give out... My beloved Renee, um, although I would never change anything about her, she is sensitive about her thighs. It is a family trait, and I have seen many a pair of Reitman's jeans go in the go in the trash <laughs> with no inner thighs left in them. <laughs> um, I cycle through Hughes. It's there. I buy them at the Bay. They're fantastic, elasticized jeans that look like work pants or mm -hmm. life pants, and I feel like they have my number and that every two months they should just send me two new pairs because I walk so much and they mm -hmm. are just scraping all day long that I always rub this little circle out and then I don't realize <laughs> until I'm sitting awkwardly and my partner's like oh my oh no oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well there's nothing left <laughs> yeah, there's stuff coming out uh, yeah thank you yeah yeah, my, my pants, every pair of pants I've ever owned as an adult, I, the crotch goes in them. That's where mm. I rub, that's where I wear pants out. Everywhere. I thought it was just jeans, but as COVID has turned me into a person that is now comfortable to go outside in sweatpants. Yeah, thank God. The, the ones that I have been wearing out for like a year also have lost the crotch in them now. The good news is, is replacing my jeans was like $100 a pair. Replacing these... Amazon sweatpants is 20 bucks. Yeah, it's true. It just makes more sense. But so. I think that like wearing out the crotch should be a badge of honor because you're like, oh, my crotch is so big. Whereas us, we're like, oh, our thighs are so big. Do you know what I mean? It sounds very different. I you're suppose. Like, oh, I wear the crotch out, but it's a secret <laughs> badge of honor. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if anatomy would give me the ability to be proud of that because it's like literally underneath <laughs> it's like how low does your yes it's actually bolted on right between my it's not on the front of my body actually it's <laughs> okay whatever <laughs> anyway that's i'll probably funny. cut that out but <laughs> great yeah that's fine i accept that okay i was like oh well it's like oh my my tits are so huge, I keep rubbing out the boob area. You're like, okay, well, that's amazing. Good for you. Congratulations. Mazel tov. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, Cindy. So I'm curious, like, how much was she on your radar before? Because... Not much. It was sort of... I sort of have these artists that I like to have on that all sort of play around other people. My kids, Renee. Just to see how they respond. Mm -hmm. 
just to see how they respond to like me putting a song on. And Cindy Lauper is one of those ones that like every once in a while, if I'm at Renee's doing something, I'll like put Cindy Lauper on to see how she responds. And she's always like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I told her that we were doing this episode, this um, this album for this episode, she was like, oh my God, I love that album so much, which I didn't even know. I didn't know that she liked Cindy Lauper that much or that she loved this album. So I think, I don't know, I think Cindy Lauper is maybe one of those artists that I kind of always meant to listen to more and never kind of got around to it. Um, also, I think, you know, I watched, I really like Parks and Rec in that moment where the three women in Parks and Rec are singing the song. This warms my heart so much. I, I, I cycle back to when I need to, to feel a good feeling, I'll watch them do that. There's just something special about when Retta, who plays Donna, comes into the, uh, into the room where Rashida Jones and Aubrey Plaza are singing unexpectedly. And she's just like, I will be waiting. It's just, I don't know, it's just one of those like, moments that lives rent free in my head yeah so i think maybe that more than anything has kept cindy alive in my heart <laughs> you know this song of course i know this song if everyone knows it it's amazing <laughs> which time after time which she did write though yes i did see or co-wrote co-wrote i have a an affinity for it because of romy michelle's high school reunion which i adore and every time i watch it i realize how janine garofalo i was in high school and life. I just adore it. And at the very end, of course, they do the this dance number to it. And it sometimes brings a tear to my eye. But I but it's unfortunate that it was just like a few songs that got overplayed to shit. <clears throat> because if yeah, if a song is killed for me, I'm not gonna be like, what else does that artist have to, to offer? I'm like, oh my god, never again, not interested. But mm-hmm. you know who I was thinking about? And this, I don't know, you'll know more about this than I do. I feel like I may have misunderstood her voice in the same way that I hated Courtney Love forever. And then mm. all of a sudden was like, Hole's pretty great. Do you sure. know what I mean? I was yeah. listening to it, you know, kind of blind and being like, oh, Sydney Lauper, I, I can't, I don't really, I don't really connect with the style of singing and whatever. In the same way that when I first heard Courtney Love, I was like, how the fuck does this woman have a singing career? Like she should have chosen <laughs> the tambourine. I mean, like, or anything. So, but now, I mean, I'm happy to put on a whole album. Well, maybe not a whole, whole album, but some of a whole album. And I understand uh, kind of the more genius behind it. And it's not about being that particular kind of vocalist. And she talks about being so individual. So maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's exactly what she wanted to sound like. Very different and unpolished. And I guess I didn't appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's sort of like she's from the land of Oz. Mm. I don't know. It's like yeah, it's like she's it's like she's from Munchkinland or something like that. She just she has a really unique voice and she just is who she is. You know, someone like her. We often say, as we discuss albums like this, artists like this don't really exist anymore, and albums like this wouldn't ex- wouldn't get made anymore. Yeah, certainly not by a major label. You know, certainly, you know, in today's world, she could write music and put it out on her own and put it on YouTube or whatever and do whatever she wants, much like we do with this podcast. You know, in a world where every artist has to have like a huge voice and amazing range and just be willing to be sold like a Disney starlet and, and be made polished up to, look a certain to way. shit, right? Like polished yeah. to shit. 
yeah, whether yeah, their music is just like so overproduced and everything's perfect about it, and to the point where you know most artists, when you see live footage of them, it's you're really suspicious if they're actually singing live because they sound way too much like the album. I don't know. I think she's one of those. She's she's one of the magic things about the old guard of of the music industry where people who were so remarkably imperfect mm -hmm. could become the biggest star in the world. Very well said. And she also must. I mean, we can see that she's a great writer with, I don't know, the couple songs that I know that she wrote. But she wrote all the songs for Kinky Boots, the oh, Broadway cool. musical, which I have always wanted to see. And I saw the movie and adored it. But she wrote the whole score for it. That's fantastic. I so didn't know that. So she must have like very deep creative well in her to take on something like that. And I think that may be overlooked when you try to pick apart the voice, the fact that she had so much creativity to her. Yeah. And you know who I kept thinking of every time I saw her speak and her attitude is my friend Janet, who I know you know. <laughs> Oh, Janet. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, I feel like I just all of a sudden understood Janet's aesthetic a little. Yeah, because Janet is quite a bit older than we are, so she would have been like wheelhouse age for Cyndi Lauper. And she was very involved in the, in um, music because she, her partner for many years wrote music reviews for the oh, cool. Ottawa Citizen or Sun. So they would go to concerts all the time. And it's like definitely her passion. So I, I thought about her a lot. I know this doesn't make any sense in the podcast, but love you, Janet. Thought about you lots. <laughs> <laughs> the personal assistant of a low-level Canadian television star as well. Yeah. I forgot about that. You know why? Because she was the lead singer of a big band. She toured okay. with Holly the, Holly the Rock's big band. Oh, awesome. She was like in charge of making sure it all happened. Like she knows music. She'd be a great. She should come on. You should bring her on. Yep. Yes. We should have for tonight. <laughs> we made a fucking mistake. Yeah. We should have had her on for Cindy Lauper. She's not going to. She won't come on now because she won't forgive us. Well, she's the biggest Bowie fan. So if we ever get into Bowie. I have no interest in listening to Bowie, but I would, but I need, this is what I mean. And we say this all the time. It's so repetitive, but this is what's so great about the show is I have such a soft spot for her now, even though I was like, what the fuck is this She-Bop song? I want to die. And then I heard it was about like female masturbation. And I was like, oh my God, you're so powerful. That's amazing. <laughs> and then I was, you know, enjoying it, even though I wouldn't have, you know, enjoyed it on my own terms. I don't know. She's also, I don't know, I mean, I'm assuming she has a really good doctor, but she's also aged very well. <laughs> yes. And I was sort of, when I was watching the episode of Behind the Music, I, I had this moment where I was like, she's one of those people who kind of always looked older. And maybe that's why she's aged so well is because she never really had much of a baby face. But we also have to remember that she became famous at almost 30. Yeah. Yeah. So the image we have of her is not someone who was like 18, 19, 20. This was someone who was yeah. already well on her way to the tired, sweatpant wearing people that we have turned into. But she just mm -hmm. hit the ground mm -hmm. running. God, so I think I just, maybe that's part of it. I need to buy a hair crimper or something. I need to be more alive. <laughs> <laughs> I need to I'm buy a... i my dazzler into the out of storage getting I, my hair crimper <laughs> i can't wear vintage clothing anymore because it doesn't fit this body 
<laughs> this body wasn't made for 80s clothing. This body wasn't made for vintage clothing. I love the story of how she got a job out of like a used clothing store. Yeah. And just bought all the clothes. <laughs> to the point where she wasn't actually getting paid at the store anymore. She just worked for clothing. So cute. She's, everything she did was like, you can't do anything wrong because you just seem so sweet and kind. Yeah. Adorable. What? Yeah, she's an incredible, incredible artist and a really, really cool person. And I'm really glad that people like her are famous because she is just somebody that, as somebody, as somebody that's raising two daughters in the the trash world of 2021, where people and musicians are constantly being outed left, right, and center for having inappropriate relations or being sexually inappropriate with people, or everything's shitty. awful. Everything's awful in culture to be able to like put on a song like girls just want to have fun and they both love it and i know that if they ever wanted to learn about who cindy lopper is that they would be better people for it very well said 100 percent. So, she's so genuine that's what i yeah it's the word i was looking for when i was watching it just genuine sweet and she knew what she wanted i know we touched on it but to you know decide to take the path less traveled and instead of kind of going for that pop superstardom, she really stuck to her guns. And I, like, better person than I am. I'm sure I'd be like, look at this money. Oh, you want me to sing those lyrics over and over again? Yes, ma'am. Yep, no problem. Just keep that gravy train coming. Yeah, yeah. It's very brave. It's also, it's it's a slightly difficult to know. I mean, on the one hand, yes, it's awesome, it's brave, and it's not something that a lot of people do. And it's a very punk rock attitude of her. Punk rock. Um, if we, we can throw one out to Steven. Yes. <laughs> it's, very, it's a very punk rock attitude of her to be like true to her morals and true to her art and true to who she wants to be and not like sell out to make more money and to be more successful. It's very, very cool. That said, you know, she it's hard to know how, how much money she already had before she made that choice. Yeah, she's worth 50 million. I might have Googled it. <laughs> Which probably most of she had by the time she made that choice. I mean, I feel like I you could guess. live your life off the residuals of girls just want to have fun, no? Probably, but she's not, she's not getting she's not getting publishing residuals. Oh yeah, fuck. Well, time after time, or the other yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, she's certainly getting residuals and stuff, definitely. So, on the one hand, yes, it's awesome that she did that. It's not something that I think a lot of artists do. There's certainly not a lot of people that drop off the map because they want to go and just, like, write their own songs and make their music on their terms. But you're right. She could have made that decision as a bazillionaire. Yeah, she's not making that decision as somebody that's living paycheck to paycheck. For sure. For sure. So, that I think that's... Not, not to shit all over it, but... <laughs> No, no, you're, it's a very important thing. I'm just going to hang back on this album and, and, you know, well, if you have the money and the resources to do that, it's a different decision altogether. Yeah, exactly. When you think that, you know, she might have been making 10, 20 grand easily every time she did a concert. Mm-hmm. You know, plus album residuals from that time. Anyway, I don't want to detract from the choice she made because I think it's really cool and not a lot of people do it. Yeah. Um, to get back to the album a little bit. So to run the, the track list, which we don't we haven't done in a while, but it was Money Changes Everything, Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, When You Were Mine, Time After Time, She Bob, All Through the Night, Witness, I'll Kiss You, He's So Unusual, which was a hilariously bizarre little 45 Betty thing. Boop, yeah. Yeah. And then Yeah, Yeah. So was there any songs on here that you came away liking or that surprised you 
I found like the album's very much built around these massive hits. Yeah, I mean, the first couple times I heard Money Changes Everything, I was like, oh my God, this is so repetitive and terrible. And then today I was walking around the house and I was like, money, money changes everything. <laughs> it's catchy. It's not amazing. It's the same thing with Shebop. I thought it was hideous when I first heard it. And then I kind of heard about it and got into it. It's not something I'm going to listen to again. I don't think. I'm a little bit curious about some of her later stuff to see where she went. Mm. I felt by the end, like the last track, I was just getting B-52 vibes. Yes. And I was like, man, do I want to listen to the B-52s? But yeah, there, there's a lot of catchy 80s gold here. But yeah, I don't know. Like, am I adding anything to my playlist? No. <laughs> It's fine. Not not everything has to be a knockout of the park. And I think yeah. it's cool that, you know, we spend time listening to artists that we come away having a better appreciation for, even if it's just like, you know what, I, I, I appreciate who this person is, but musically, I didn't connect with them. Yeah. Which is how I, I you know, that's I've come away from things like Swollen Members and a couple other things that maybe Steven has suggested that hasn't stuck with me in a musical way. And then all of a sudden, I, sometimes I find myself not sure what to listen to, and I'll throw on something that we listened to ages and ages ago on the podcast and be like yeah no actually this was really great yeah so i feel like yeah sometimes i just need to get like a bit of distance from it or change the mindset like for me i it was you know i listened to it maybe twice and was like oh my god and then watched the vh1 thing and was like oh my god so cute (laughs) like oh this is oh yeah this song i get i get it i'm into it right I agree. I think the probably the only other song that I could hum off of this is Money Changes Everything. Yeah. <laughs> and Shebop. I knew that song already, so I didn't. Oh, I did not. Okay. Yeah. It was a pretty big hit. I mean, plays-wise, girls just want to have fun. And time after time, together, are about 800 million. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. And then Shebop's like 11 million. Then All Through the Night, which I had never even heard of, is like the third most listened to song on the album. So it shows what I know. Yeah, I might have heard Shebop. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I've, I've definitely heard Shebop before. I'll say this. It was, of all the stuff that I've picked, it was probably the one I found the most challenging to listen to through the week. Mm-hmm. Of my own picks. But it's sort of, it sort of felt satisfying to do it. It's like... You know when you should pick up historical relevant book and you're like, oh, this is going to be rough, but you know you have to do it, which I'm also doing right now. I'm like, oh, I think this sucks, but everyone said this book was amazing. It was a little bit like I have to get into the era a little bit. I have to see why this was so interesting. You have to just kind of change the lens a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it, it was difficult to listen to, and I think her voice played into it. Yeah, which it seems like she has a better voice and just isn't really using it. Yeah, and again, I haven't listened to much of her later stuff, and I think you made a really good point that it'd be fun to revisit an album of hers that she did like 10 years after this or something Yeah, the like Avalon that. one or something, yeah. Yeah, just to see you know how her singing has evolved through the years. I think she'd be a lot of fun to see live, but... It yeah. would be weird to go and see her live and be surrounded by like 50-year-old grandmas. Yeah, 50-year-old grandmas. Give me a break. We're like so close. We're not far off. 50-year-olds are grandmas. Sure they are. I mean, not... It seems It seems like the wrong age for that. 
<laughs> I guess it depends on how young you are when you have children. This is true. It's true. If you think, if you had a child at 20. That's very that young. And that child, it's not that uncommon for baby boomers, though. It's more uncommon for our generation and the ones coming up behind us. Right. But for like, like my mom and dad got married when my mom was 20. Right. So I, and certainly there's people I think who had children that is, but if you had, if you had a child at say 25 and then that child had a child at 25. I just have several friends that are in their fifties. And when you see like grandma, <laughs> I'm like, what? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all those Gen Xers. All those Gen Xers that are in their fifties and early 60s now are you ready for 80s this or that yeah let's do that okay there's some tough ones i hope i know them (laughs) okay yeah we can stop and you can listen to them if you need a refresher (laughs) uh wake wake me up before you go go by wham or wham wham what is the um, family guy cool whip cool whip say it again cool whip yeah they're cool <laughs> or walk like an Egyptian by the Bengals because they're both kind of shitty, but I'm kind of yeah. curious. <laughs> I think I'd be more like, oh, how hilariously fun if I heard "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." I feel like "Walk Like an Egyptian" has not been largely forgotten on purpose, unlike the Wham song has. Wham is one of those bands I find that like when you put it on, people are like, "Yeah, wake me up." I like yes. this song. And they're like, then they remember how they felt about it when it came out. They're like, "No, wait, I fucking hate this song." <laughs> I agree with you. I don't know what anyone was thinking when they were like, hey, walk like an Egyptian. That's a great song, you know. (laughs) Speaking of things that would never be okay today. Yeah. (laughs) How about we walk like Australian? I don't know. I'm trying to pick something. Anyways, next. This is a a sore spot for people. And I love knowing what side of the fence people are on for this song. Come on, Eileen by Dexie's Midnight Runners. Or... Love Shack by the B-52s. B-52s. I like Dexie's Midnight Runner. I like the fact that I know the band name because it's fun. It's fun to pull that out at like music trivia. Yeah. It's like, Eileen, oh yeah, no, you're Dexie's Midnight Runner. And people are like, I'm sorry, you know the band name? (laughs) It's true. I know. I I love, I think, I love, the thing I love most about Dexie's Midnight Runner is the fact that I know the name Dexie's Midnight Runner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't really care much for the song. And I love the B-52s. Agreed with you. I had a boss in uh, when I lived in the UK, and if this song came on, we had to turn it. Like it was, we had to change it. It was part of the rule as like a, a, a bar hand that if this mm. song happened to come on, no, it was a no. It was so funny. She's like, "What is that? Turn it off." <laughs> <laughs> Let's come on, Eileen. Yeah. So I kind yeah. of love that visceral reaction. I always, you know, get pumped about it and then listen to the first chorus and then I'm like, and scene. And then people have long since ruined that song. We're like, well, where did you come on, Eileen? It's like, oh, yeah. I know. Someone in the car made that joke recently. My my significant other. <laughs> Here. <laughs> and those horrible people, you're like, yeah, I live with one. <laughs> yeah, they're right over there. Okay, next one. Here I go again. White snake or down under. By Men at Work. Men at Work. Colin Hayes, man. How can you not love Colin Hayes? I love that you said that. I love <laughs> Colin Hayes. I think I was listening to Colin Hayes when we were hanging out, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. a big Colin Hayes fan. 
He is related to Sia. Cool. I think he's a, her uncle. Awesome. Oh, I mean, where's my professional fact checker when I need them? He's related to Sia. Maybe everyone in Australia is related. I'm I mean, just kidding. <laughs> just like in Canada. Do you know uh, Bob from Vancouver? I do not. <laughs> okay, next. I think I know your answer for this one. Where is my mind? The Pixies or Tainted Love by Soft Cell? Probably Tainted Love. Another fun, another fun cover. I want to like the Pixies so badly, and I've never made it that far. I recognize that as like a Nirvana fan, it's sacrilege to not love the Pixies because Nirvana admitted to basically trying to rip the Pixies off. I've never made it as far as listening to an entire Pixies album, which maybe we should do at some point. Mm -hmm. I like some of their songs, but the thing that I think speaks the most about the Pixies is that what's her name, the bass player who formed the Breeders? Yeah. The Breeders have had far more commercial success than the Pixies ever did, and the Breeders were like a side project. <laughs> oh yeah, interesting. I'm writing that down. So. I thought you would pick the Pixies, but also because people have such a strong association with that with Fight Club. Mm. So I always think people hear that and they're like, oh my God, Fight Club. Oh my God, I'm so cool. I like Fight Club. Uh, I mean, I so do I. I. I'm one of those people. <laughs> the okay. cool answer is the Pixies. Though. Yeah. You could <laughs> cut out the rest and just go Pixies all the way, man. It's totally. If you don't know the Pixies, then we have nothing further to discuss. Honestly. <laughs> Next one. I think these are completely on par, these songs. Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses or Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. I basically think Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi are the potentially exact same thing. <laughs> Both songs that have been completely played to death. Correct. That was the right answer. Next. No, I'm I, I don't really have a choice. I, I, I don't know. I guess for fun, Bon Jovi. But it's just because at the beginning I like to go, whoa, 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 whoa. And then... <laughs> I can turn the song off at the end of the end. They're yeah. so played out, though. I, I have no strong feelings about either one of them. <laughs> Apparently, and my family reminds me of this because I don't remember when I was very little, my nickname for Bon Jovi was Delightful. I used to call him Delightful. Oh. Just gives you a snapshot of me as a weird child. Oh, is <laughs> Delightful on the American Music Awards? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Is that his drag name? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Delightful. <laughs> exactly. Last one. Push it. Salt and pepper. Or pour some sugar on me. Def Leppard. Oh, I fucking hate Def Leppard, and I love salt and pepper, so. Okay. <laughs> Here I go. Here I know that's not Push It, but Liam, my son Liam, loved Push It. Ah, he put it on the car and be like, ah, just push it. Push it. <laughs> It's like 10. <laughs> oh, that's so... F well, good for him, because that's, yeah, that's 80s for sure. It's well before his heaven. time. Okay. It is, but we have a dad like me. Amazing. Get them young. How do, how do my choices line up with yours? Uh, Like, definitely Wham, B-52s. I l love Colin Hay... Hay? Colin Hay? Colin Hay. But I get pretty pumped up over that White Snake song. <laughs> <laughs> it's Colin Hay. Colin Hay. Soft Cell, yeah, probably same. Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses, I don't, that's a hard decision. I think it's the same. I've heard too much Sweet Child of Mine. I don't need to hear it ever again. And I'm I'm going to say Salt and Pepper because I'm not insane, but I love Pour Some Sugar on Me 
And I don't, I'm not a big Def Leppard fan. To the point where I was trying to explain my sh potential sugar addiction to someone when we were back in the office. And I was acting out me pouring sugar on me and singing the song really loudly and kind of dancing provocatively when my um, new director walked around the corner. And that was like our first interaction. And I was like, awesome sugar on me. Oh, <clears throat> hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> we like to have fun here. This is, this is an employee team building exercise. <laughs> they, they say a song and I sing it loud and do a dance. That's how we do it here. That's how we do it. <laughs> it was embarrassing, but I do kind of love that song, but definitely some pepper for sure. Of course, I'm sugar on me. Another song that is argued to be about semen. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I assumed it wasn't about sugar, but I thought maybe like at least cocaine or something. In the name of love? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Pour some cocaine on me in the name of love. No. <laughs> Fascinating. The 80s was a different time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what else did you listen to this week? I didn't listen to a lot this week. Uh, what did you listen to while I look at my recently played real quick? Real quicks. I think I'm still kind of in a Coldplay way. Mm-hmm. Not too much else. I can go to my recently played as well and just have a look. Coldplay definitely sticks out to me. Um, I listen. Oh, I got into. I listened to some Beatles this week, actually. Early Beatles. It's a hard day's night. That album. I sometimes there's many Beatles songs that I won't listen to for a year or two, and then I hear them, and I'm blown away every time I hear it. You know, when you're like, that's a song. I. You know what I did listen to this week? I did listen to a lot of Alan Cross, and he was mm. sampling lots of different music because he's doing the history of post-punk. Okay. Post. I think it's post-punk. And he goes through all the different things that came up after, and it, it's so interesting. It's like a six-part series, if you have the chance. Oh, yeah. I would definitely listen to that. That sounds great. I love Alan. So interesting. He's like our spiritual leader I, <laughs> on, the, I, on this show. <laughs> just national treasure. Just adore him. That would be that would be the, the ultimate day, is if Alan Cross came on our podcast. We could probably just end it. Well, that's insane. I would, I'd be embarrassed because I, he has so much knowledge, whereas I can't even remember what happened last week, let alone anything I've ever learned about music. He's like a genuine music scholar and we're just like a dog and pony show. You're like, yeah, that's those guys. Am I right? We watch the behind the music. So we're scholars. Uh, so I keep up Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we watched Vistify. Uh, I could write a book about Michael Hutchins. <laughs> Whereas Alan be like, yeah, I met him a few times. Yeah. I toured with them. No biggie. <laughs> yeah, it was their, their on-tour press agent. <laughs> yeah, Alan Cross, love him. Listen to him if you don't. If you're a listener of ours, go find his podcast. Or go find his show or go find anything by Alan Cross. Well, do you have any other thoughts about Cindy Lauper? I think... We've gushed about her quite a bit. Not not so much about the music, but definitely about her as an artist. Love her. Yeah, I think I said what I needed to say. She's a very interesting lady with some crazy power hits, but worth learning about as a person, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. 
really, really cool woman in the music industry. Sort of like, you know, an elder woman now. The music, honestly, at this point, I think I, I like the hits. I'll still listen to those occasionally. And that's, I didn't fall in love with her musically by listening to this album. Yeah, but it would be fun to revisit some of her later stuff at some time. Definitely. I'll be listening to it or I'll forget. Or I'll listen to it one day and then send it to you and be like, this. I found it, Brand. Yeah. <laughs> Hard medium. No, I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> So I, we're going to have a special guest next week because we are still without Steven. We miss you, Steven. Miss you. Can't wait for you to come back. But we're going to have a friend of mine named Rob come on and talk about the album I'm pitching this week. I think we're done the 80s. We're closing the book on the 80s, although 80s can come back at any time. Yeah, I think three weeks is probably enough. We're closing <laughs> the book on the overall theme. But at any point, 80s music can be pitched, whatever. Uh, so yes, Rob is going to come on next week and talk about the next album and pitch one for us. Awesome. And what's the next album? Are you ready? Can you take a guess? Because you already saw it I was listening to. It's time. It's time for us to listen to my high school husband. It's time for us to talk <laughs> about it. I've gone long enough keeping my Montreal piece on the side quiet. So are we listening to Moist or David Usher? We're going to listen, because I know you've all listened to Moist, we're going to listen to David Usher's first ever solo album. Is that the one with Black Black Heart on it? No, before. Okay. Okay, so we're going to listen to David Usher Little Songs. Okay. Well, that sounds great. We've kind of done some big 80s bangers, so now we're going to do uh, like a slightly more modest hometown Canadian band. No, that sounds great. I've listened to Moist. I've heard David Usher's songs on the radio. I've definitely never listened to this album, and I, I'm interested to, to find out as I listen to it if I know any of these songs. I think you will, but we will talk about it next week. Sure will. Well, thanks for going on a trip through the 80s with me for my birthday month. Appreciate it. Oh my god! Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Bryn! If you were a part of my family, this is where I would play the new kids on the blog. Happy birthday to you, because that's what we do. So, find <laughs> it, play it for yourself. Okay. Happy birthday. It's Bryn's birthday tomorrow, everyone. Wee! We, although by the time this comes out, it's going to be almost a month from yeah, now. Yeah, it's going to be well past, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. We're celebrating it right now, so enjoy. Hooray, thank you. Thanks so much, Angie, for going on this trip through the 80s with me. It was fun. It was awesome. I'm glad we were able to do it, and I'm sure we'll revisit this decade again. But we probably should, yeah, start bringing the podcast back to a little more modern music. Awesome. Thanks so much, and we will hopefully catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth.